Welcome to Wellspring on the Air, where professional Christian counselors share practical life and Bible insights. Why? Because hearts and minds matter. We're glad you joined our show today to hear from our host, Tova Kreps, president of Wellspring Counseling in Miami. Tova is a licensed therapist with many years of experience as a Christian counselor. Tova teaches, writes, and consults, and Life FM is pleased to have Wellspring Counseling restoring hearts and minds in our community. Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Tova, co-founder and president of Wellspring Counseling. Today's program is titled Mental Health and Christians, and it's a response to a question sent in by a listener. But before I get to that question, with me today, I have two guests in the studio, and I decided to bring in some people who are not clinicians to have a real healthy dialogue about mental health and Christians. So with me, I have, first of all, I have Leah Byers. Welcome, Leah. Thank you, Tova. Glad to be here. So Leah is the executive director of Wellspring Counseling. She's my right-hand woman, and I'm really thrilled to have you here today. Leah has also been in church ministry and leadership within the church for many years. Leah, tell us a little of your history. So Tova, I started in uh, children's ministry, and that kind of evolved into working with women's ministry, benevolence, and all, a variety of things because I spent many years on staff at Wayside Baptist Church. And so 15 years, you kind of get to see a lot of different things and dynamics. And so uh, that's why I guess I get the opportunity to be here today. That's right. And we make jokes at your expense often at the office because you're the one non-clinician person there. And <laughs> And uh, you often ask just the right questions about it. And so it, I think it's really great to have you join me on this show. Also with us today, we have Jeff Reed. Jeff is a new communications consultant for Wellspring. We've loved getting to know him. And Jeff, I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about what you do and your church background. Awesome. Thank you. So yeah, my name is Jeff Reed. I run a company called The Church.Digital where we help uh, churches and nonprofits wrestle with uh, technological things. A lot of times digital communications comes into play. But in addition to that, church online, web development, social media, things like that. So I mean, and I've, I've been in and around Miami for a long time. So I've been on staff uh, way back at First Baptist Church of Prine, those of you who were around way back in those days. In addition, Christ Fellowship, as well as some other churches, uh, Austin Ridge out in Austin, Texas, and, and and just really blessed to help churches all across the city, as well as around the country right now, helping them figure out some online things. And obviously, I'm looking forward to working more uh, with Wellspring and, and Tova and the team here. So thanks for having me on today. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, so here's the question that was sent in by a listener. What does God say about mental illness? And does having a mental disorder mean a person has little faith in God? This is just like opens up such a broad spectrum of what we do. And at Wellspring Counseling, our mission really in doing our education is to talk on a regular basis about mental health and Christians. What does it mean to be a Christian, have mental health issues, how the church should respond? How do all those things interact with each other? And so we really want to dive into that. So today on the show, this is a first of a two-part show called Mental Health and Christians, and we want to overview the principles of the Bible regarding mental illness issues. What are the sources of mental illness? And is faith enough to overcome mental disorders? Or the corollary idea, if we have mental disorders, does that mean we lack faith? The question asked here by one of our listeners. And how should the church respond to mental illness issues related to that? So we're going to talk about it from mental illness, but also from a mental health perspective. So I brought my guests in here. They've thought about it a little bit, and we're going to see what kind of questions they have for me and go from there. So as we prepared for this, you guys came in with some of your own thoughts and questions. So I'm going to let you just throw one of those out there for us, and we'll move from there. Well, in thinking about this issue, I was thinking about there's kind of a couple ways I've seen mental illness play out in churches. One is that, you know, 
we can just be dismissive of it and it because we can just pray it away or we can um, ignore it or just say, well, that person, we, we just don't really want to deal with them. So let's just not. And I hate to say that because I think in general, people have a really good heart. But sometimes when people are struggling, we don't necessarily want to deal with it because maybe we have an agenda or we have certain things that we want to move forward in the church and this person makes it uncomfortable or what have you. And I, I do feel like that it's just something that we we don't necessarily face head on. We just we just dismiss it one way or the other. Okay, so often the church dismisses it. It's too hard. It's uncomfortable. And it's something we don't know something about. And we really prefer to hang with people who are easier to be with and who we might choose as friends. Sometimes. Exactly, exactly. Right? So what kind of question or comment you got to get us started, Jeff? Oh, my gosh. Like, even just coming from an outsider perspective, not understanding the clinician side of, of this, in ministry perspective, honestly, I don't I don't understand a lot of what defines mental illness. And, and so, you know, growing up and in, in doing ministry, it's reading Introduction to Biblical Counseling, where it's like, you know, pre, you need to pray more. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and, and, and yes, the spiritual aspect and what the Holy Spirit can do is, is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. But there's, God works in science as well. And so there's other things that, that need to be part of this and, and how to... How do we respond to those situations where, where sometimes just even a guy that, that's done ministry in, in different areas, when, when someone becomes more higher maintenance rather than diving into it, it's sometimes easier to shove them aside. And, but I, I know that's not the right thing to do, but sometimes it's the most convenient thing. And so how to work through those situations, how to handle those situations, I've, I've never, just transparent here, I've never really been trained on how to handle someone in that in that situation i think you're hitting at what i want to be a key message through all of these these talks which is training is really what we need in the church we need to recognize that mental illness is a real issue and it's one of the reasons wellspring's mission is to always bring what does the best science say what does the bible say and how does that apply to daily boots on the ground life and so we're trying to do that in the world of mental health and mental illness so let's just start with that question what is mental illness so in the clinical world we actually have a diagnostic manual it's called the dsm and we have different versions of it just like the doctors have a diagnosis you have this disease you have chronic hepatitis you have whatever it's hep a hep b we in the mental health world have a manual that we literally look at and In the world of mental health, Christian and non-Christian has defined this is outside of normal and it's actually an illness. And so I think sometimes in the church we overlap those things. So there's a great deal of need for education in the Christian world that we actually recognize real illness. We use the word illness because it is is illnesses. Now, to broad sweep it, we have different types of illnesses. So we have ones that are genetically caused. So for instance, and that we know from research that there's a huge genetic component related to it. So bipolar might be one of those, schizophrenia, some of these organic genetic issues. We know that in the world of of addictions, there's a genetic predisposition, not a cause, but a predisposition. So some people are more likely to have mental illness with a genetic component, which tells us in a very profound and important way, there's an organic cause to a lot of mental illness. Uh, Depression can run in families, okay? So knowing that there's a genetic tendency, at the very least, sometimes a direct cause, is important for us in how we judge people with mental illnesses. Let's just take something as simple, not so simple if you're the parent of it, Hmm. of someone with ADHD, 
okay, that's a diagnosis, okay? It means that their prefrontal cortex of their brain, the part that helps you plan for the future and helps you control impulses, is not the same as people who don't have ADHD. We can see it on MRIs. There's an organic issue to it. And so the question is, do we just treat these kids as badly behaved kids that we need to just pray over, that we need to send to some other church because they're so annoying in our Sunday school classes? Or do we say, this is hard to manage. How do we support the parents of this child? How do we maybe say we want this child to be involved in the church and their parents to get to go to church? And what that means, the kid needs to go to Sunday school. That means we need to set that child up with maybe an escort for the class. Church buddy. A church buddy. Hmm. Because that would be how do we embrace someone with a mental illness, a disease, in the church. So there's so there are things that are genetic. There are things that are caused by a combination of our bad habits, if you will, that then push you over. So if you take it in the physical realm, in the physical realm, it would look like someone with type 2 diabetes. Okay, so the fact that they have habits that relate to their obesity and their obesity relates to their development of type 2 diabetes, there's an overlap of all of those things. Is it a real disease? Yes. Are there people who have those bad habits and obesity who never get diabetes? Yes. But is there a correlation to their behavior and their lifestyle that relates to the fact that they have it? That's true. So if you move that into the realm of mental illness, that's also true. So we can live in ways behaviorally that are contrary to what the Bible would teach. So we can, instead of thinking about what's positive, which the Bible tells us it's a mental health teaching in scripture, we a gratitude, praise, thinking about what is good. Scripture teaches us to do all that. Those are all mental things that we do, cognitions. If instead we think about bitterness, we think about blame, we think about negative things, If instead of putting good things in our mind, we put into our mind pornography on a regular basis, we put in our mind toxic negative things, who we hang around, all of those are behavioral things that the Bible addresses. If we live in ways that don't, we can put ourselves on a path towards mental illness that can push us into depression, into anxiety, into addictions, into lifestyles that truly do develop into something that eventually would land on the DSM as a diagnosis. Um, So I I think there's all sorts of these. I want to come back to some of the other causes, but let's dialogue a little bit more about the church first, and then we'll come back to some of those other causes. Well, Tova, you know, you were so gracious, and you actually sent this to me earlier in the week about a LifeWay research study that asked questions about mental illness. And one of them was basically 35% of people in a survey of 1,000 Americans agreed with the statement, with just Bible study and prayer alone, people with serious mental illness like depression, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia could overcome mental illness. And um, yeah, that's basically, if I'm sitting in my church, me and the two people next to me, one of us is going to think that, right? One in three. That that prayer and Bible study alone. Now, so is prayer and Bible study alone enough? If you're at the charismatic church, maybe. Um, yeah, like, I'm just the, the illustration just comes to my head. You know, let me pray over this broken arm and, and watch it heal. There may have been a time where, where God worked that way, but it's not it's not today, right? Like we don't see healings at, at that level. And well, so. okay. So I, I would say I actually think sometimes we do. So I think the answer is, is prayer and Bible study alone enough? The answer is sometimes. Not yes and not no, but sometimes in the same way that sometimes God miraculously cures people from cancer. 
I know people who've had cancer and their their prognosis was terrible. Their church got together and prayed and they came in and it was in complete remission. It was gone. Okay, so does that happen every time? No, I have friends who died of cancer. I went to a funeral last week. So it's a sometimes God does. Can he? The answer is always yes. Does he? Will he? Sometimes, you know, but that is a piece of what we need to do. Scripture tells us that in our trials, we should pray about every trial. If mental illness is a trial, it's a suffering, it's a struggle, then we should be always praying and always going to Scripture. The question is, does that heal a mental illness? Sometimes. Well, you know, when you were saying that, I was thinking about two different issues. We had a dog once that had a little accident. She was a puppy and seemed like she hurt her leg pretty well. But, you know, we just kind of went on with it. She, she started walking and she was fine. Well, as she grew into an adult, that leg became a little deformed because we never had it set. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think, yes, sometimes we can heal, but sometimes there's a mark left from that experience, mm-hmm. you know, and that would we just naturally, if somebody broke their arm, like Jeff mentioned, would we go, well, you know, it will heal, you know, well, yeah, it will heal, but will it heal well? Will it heal so you can work with it again and use it in the way that you want to or whatever? And so I feel like, you know, sometimes there's things that happen because we don't address it beyond, okay, yeah, we're going to pray or whatever. Because sometimes in prayer, in Bible study, God actually leads us to greater answers of healing than we might have just by just by saying, well, we checked the box and we did that. That's true. We're going to take a quick break here. This is Tova, and I have two guests with me today, Leah Byers and Jeff Reed, and we're talking about mental health and Christians. If you missed the beginning of this show, you can find us on your friendly podcast, Wellspring on the Air, and you can backtrack to it. Otherwise, we'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Tova with Leah Byers and Jeff Reed, and today we are talking about what it means to have mental illness and mental health for the Christian. How does that relate to the Bible? So if you're just joining us, welcome. Listen to the rest of the show. We're going to talk a little bit about what causes mental illness. We're also going to talk about how the church should handle it, right? Absolutely. Okay. So I want to jump back in from where we were, which is the causes of mental illness. So one of the causes is frankly the fact that we live in a fallen world and so let's just kind of talk about that from a broad sweep i really see mental illness as one of the many struggles that happen because of the fall we are no longer perfect we are broken and so when we work we labor with thorns and thistles when we have labor we have pain our bodies are broken our minds are broken we are not whole yet we're not in heaven we're not in the garden of eden and we're not home yet and so we're broken people and that includes our bodies Mm. it includes our minds our minds are a part of our bodies so we really need to see mental illness as caused by the fall romans 8 and the verses 19 to 23 talk about creation being subjected to futility that includes our minds and it tells us that the whole of creation is groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now waiting for ourselves to be redeemed, for God to come back, for us to have the redemption of our bodies. Um, We groan with that, and that includes our minds. So we just need to see this not as somebody's sin, although it can relate to sin, it can, um, but just as part of being in a fallen world. And, And that as a struggle of being in a fallen world, we also know from Scripture there's hope. We have a hope of eternity that will all be made whole. We have a hope that all things work together for good for those who love God, even our struggles, our sufferings, our physical sufferings, our mental sufferings. We know that our sufferings don't separate us from the love of God. And Romans 8, that all things, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. You know, the end of that section says, 
that we're more than conquerors and that nothing will separate us from the love of God. It doesn't say we conquer every single thing in our life. It says that we conquer because we know we're loved by God. That is the overcoming. It's not that we get to become a Christian so I no longer had a disease. I know there's some Christians who may say that, but I don't think the world shows us that. I don't think that's true. I think that sometimes God heals and sometimes he doesn't. But we conquer our struggles, mental, physical, spiritual, all of those, because we are never separated from the love of God. You know, when you were talking about Genesis and the fall, and I have this visual picture, probably I've just watched way too many children's cartoons on these stories from my work in children's ministry. But anyway, I have this visual of Adam and Eve after they they took the bite of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they're wandering, and God's like, where are you guys, you know, and they're hiding, he, you know, they're hiding and he reaches into them and cares for them because I feel like, you know, in a way I could picture them feeling scared because it's their first time sure. really being separated from God. And I feel like a lot of times, you know, even when we're, maybe we don't have a mental illness, but even when we're in those bad mental spaces, that's what we're feeling. We're feeling that lack of connectedness mm-hmm. to God. To God. You know? So I love that analogy that you... And that's where the out. conquering is. The conquering is it can't separate us from his love. Yeah, like I I can totally you know, relate to this where we... There's not necessarily a, an escape hatch, a get out of jail free. There's <laughs> there's not a, like a, a flip side of this where... We live in this fallen world, and, and while we, all of us, whether it's it's mental issues or or other things like accepting of Christ and and, and having Him in our life is not the the life is perfect. Now we mm-hmm. we still live in this in this fallen world and and suffer through these things. And what what He's speaking of here in in Romans eight isn't the um, flipping of the coin towards it's a new life, but it's a new life with the same consequences from from the old. We still okay. live. In the fallen world, there's still the same perceptions around us that we have to overcome and, and, and go through. And so while Christ doesn't guarantee us a perfect experience, a at least in suffering. this world, a mm-hmm. lack of suffering, that's in the, in the coming realm. That's, mm-hmm. that's coming up next. Hang, mm-hmm. hang on. You know, do what you can here and look forward to what's tomorrow. He promises that we'll have trouble in this world, that we'll have trials, and that the differences are as Christians, how do we go through those trials indifferently? And does he sometimes do miraculous things to protect us from those? Absolutely. Does he change us? And do we become sanctified the farther we go in our Christian walk? That's great. And he can complete the job he started in, as Scripture tells us, but it's a road. It's a journey, and none of us have arrived yet. Um, you know, mental illness, I just think it's important to see it as a type of suffering, first of all. And so as we think about how the church responds to it, we need to respond with compassion to suffering, because like Jesus did, he was compassionate to those around him. Uh, we need to respond with kindness and gentleness and love. This is how we should treat people. And so do we do that with people with mental illness in the same way we do? We pray for people regularly in our churches for physical things, but we don't tend to pray for mental illness things because of the stigma on it. We should be patient with people. They haven't arrived yet. They're still being sanctified just like everyone else. And so there's a journey, not a, I've become a Christian, so I no longer have these things. Uh, we need to have inclusion like Jesus did. He hung out with the lepers. He he mandates us in Scripture to reach the outcasts and the strangers and the aliens and the people who are those that are harder to reach in. The church should model that for the world. And we should be praying for them and teaching Scripture and being a part of that and coming around them. So. Well, you know, I was thinking, and I've shared this a few times, but I lost my brother last year who was a schizophrenic, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I really believe ultimately mental health took his life because he just 
he was chronically mental ill. He was medicated. He did what he was supposed to do as best as he could. But he lived a hard life. And, you know, I feel like in the same way sometimes people are, you know, struggling with a, a terminal physical condition, sometimes, you know, there are people that will we'll struggle their entire life. You know, we think, oh, well, if we pray and, you know, do all these mm -hmm. things and do all the right things that maybe it'll go away. Sometimes it, it doesn't, but it's managed or controlled. But the one thing I did know about my brother is that when he talked about God, I did sense that he knew that God loved him no matter what. Mm. He knew that Jesus loved him and, you know, it wasn't a perfect life. He wasn't a perfect churchgoer or anything like that, but he did know that. And I feel like that, you know, sometimes that may be as good as it gets for, for some extreme situations. And in my brother's case, I think that was it. You know, the phrase as good as it gets is a really wonderful phrase. And so I think the question for me, and wrestling with a lot of people in the nitty gritty in their lives, you know, can you be the best Christian schizophrenic there is? Can you be the best believe it or not, Christian narcissist there is. And I have seen examples of that. We have some pastors in this world who, some great Christian visionaries who are narcissists. And God not only doesn't change them from that, but he actually uses their narcissism to do his work. Do they have a trail of dead bodies behind them because they have difficulty having empathy towards other people? Yes. But God can work around through, in, and because of, and in spite of all wow. of those things are illnesses. And that's true for a lot of them, a lot of these illnesses. I think I, I, I want to make sure I cover the causes of mental illness, and just so that we all know that they're complex. So first of all, it can be caused in our body. So God calls us to love him with our body, our mind, our soul, and our hearts, heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Love God, love others. So our body can be damaged. We can have genetic predispositions like bipolar disorder. You can have a brain tumor. I know a woman who came for Christian counseling. Fortunately, I can say it wasn't me, but it could have been. Two years of Christian counseling to help her with her depression. You know what? She had a brain tumor. She needed to go to the doctor and she needed an MRI. There are biological causes. Our brain is an organ. Sometimes it's messed up. You can have car accidents that cause head damage. I, I worked with someone who had severe anger issues because of three concussions as a veteran. This person had constant. So what does a veteran with concussion issues that causes impulsive anger do as a Christian? The answer is they don't discipline their kid. They let their wife discipline their kid because they know that they lose it. That's as good as it gets sometimes. That's submitting to accepting this is who I am. What do I do? I go to the doctor for what I can. I fix what I can medically at all. Sometimes it's organic. Secondly, sometimes it's really our thinking, literally our thoughts. This is where the Bible has a lot to say about it. Sometimes we're depressed because we don't have hope, and we don't have hope because we have wrong thinking about who we are, uh, what hope is. So we have someone in a midlife crisis with severe depression, and it's because they don't have hope. They think, I, I'll never be what I thought I'd be, and if I succeed in this way, then I'm valuable. Well, the Bible speaks to that. That's wrong thinking. We're valuable. Why? Because God loves us. We're valuable for reasons other than this. You know, you can have grief and mourning that of the loss of a loved one that turns into depression. I lose my hope and I become depressed because I don't think I can ever live a good life again without this great loss. So there is a biblical answer to that, that God and prayer and scripture can, can soothe and comfort us and tell us there's still hope because God made you alive. There's something left to live for. What is that? And Christians can come around it. It can be our, in our bad thinking, our bad habits. So we can learn 
anxiety because we had anxious parents. We can learn to be extra controlling because we lived in, a, in an abusive situation. We can have lack of gratitude because we just don't practice the healthy habits of that. Those are thinking. We can have sinful thinking. I'll think of an example like Jonah when he was upset with God and he went and it says, this is Jonah 4, and he says, um, oh Lord, therefore please take my life from me. He was suicidal. Because of what? Wrong thinking. He literally thought wrong thoughts. And God corrected his thinking and sent him back out. So again, it's it can be habits of thinking. Two more. The soul ones, it can be a spiritual issue. We can have mental illness because of spiritual issues. It really can. And we can have heart issues. So truly damaged hearts that we've been wounded by people. And so we are depressed because we've been unloved. And we, we are anxious for issues that relate to emotions from trauma. We work in PTSD at Wells Fargo a lot. And then sometimes our mental illness is truly externally caused. I want to say these are other causes. God tells us in Scripture that sometimes it's to his glory. So it can be none of those things, but God did it because he's going to do something miraculous later, like he did with the blind man that he healed. He says this was for God's glory. It wasn't the man's sin. It wasn't the parent's sin. It was for God's glory. And God could literally bring this trial into a Christian's life for the sake of his glory. We have some amazing Christian writers. Some of the very deepest and best theologians have severe depression. Mm -hmm. And it's out of their deep depressions that they studied scripture and wrote for us great things. I think of Henry Nouwen. I think of a number, a number of other greats that, that do that. Sometimes it's just the hardship and sin of lives, the sins of others inflicted on us, uh, the cruelties, PTSD from people who were tortured. I was just reading this week about people, veterans tortured in camps. And then there is the demonic the spiritual warfare there there's an externally caused demonic thing that happens you had some comments you wanted to say i see them on your minds yeah i mean part of part of what you're describing is we all have faults and we all have issues and we're mental capacity or even even outside of that and and in context of being a christian we're called to lead humbly where uh, we're allowing god to use us in in, in through our strengths and through our, our weaknesses uh, I mean, look Look at the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, mm-hmm. blessed are the weak. And so the more that we don't respond through our strengths, but allow God to use us in, in our weaknesses, the more that, that God's capable to drive and lead us instead of we doing things in our own capacity. A lot of the things that you're talking about in Romans 8 and even before that with Romans 6 is, is staying in tune to the to the spirit and letting God drive you. And so some of the, the authors that you're speaking of, yes, they've written incredible works. And even some of the authors of the Bible, they've mm-hmm. written these incredible works. But it's by letting God use them in those, in those moments through their strengths, but also through their weaknesses. And that is the answer to, can you be a Christian with mental health issues? And the answer is yes. We really not only can, but that is where God shows up. It's can I be a good a Christian depressed person? Can I be a Christian schizophrenic? Can I be a Christian addict? Let's take that one. There's a sin issue. And it's a journey of submitting to God and spending time in in his word and with believers and support of believers that we then get as good as it gets. We begin to move in that journey as a believer towards health, towards mental wellness, when God gives that to us, towards making good choices in our lifestyles and behaviors towards loving God in the process and him slowly sanctifying us. It's a process. 
And it doesn't happen in a vacuum. That's the other thing that I think that the church needs to be aware of is that when a family has somebody in the home that has a mental illness, those family members also need support. Because sometimes, if especially if that person's in an uncontrolled situation, they're, they're in that first steps of of healing, it's a lot of stress on the on the unit. And sometimes people don't know how to react or respond, you know, in that. So well that's a great comment and it leads us to part two of our show. So if you're just listening to this and you want to hear more, we're gonna spend part two of the show on mental illness in the church and how we can respond and what that looks like and what works and what doesn't work. So join us next time for part two of mental illness in the church. And it's time to wrap up. This is Tova Krebs with Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter. Wellspring on the Air is a production of Wellspring Counseling, a nonprofit professional counseling center with multiple locations in Miami-Dade County. Wellspring therapists are licensed by the state of Florida and Christian in their worldviews. They have wide ranges of clinical expertise, including marriage, family, anxiety, depression, and trauma. Their diverse group of therapists includes several who speak Spanish or Portuguese. If you would like to know more about Wellspring's services of counseling and education, go to their website at wellspringmiami.org or give them a call at 786-573-7010 or email them at ontheair at wellspringmiami.org. Again, you can find a way to contact them at wellspringmiami.org.